Let this define you. Life's challenges can derail you from your destiny and purpose. We're here to remind you that getting knocked down, no matter how hard, can be the starting point of the best days of your life. Do you believe that your failures can define you in the best way possible? Listen in on Patrick McMullen's conversation with inspiring people who have proven it can. Welcome to this week's episode of our podcast, where we have the honor of talking to Christy Siefkin, an entrepreneur, executive communications coach, and founder of the GoTo Speaker Method. Many of you may already be familiar with Christy from her impressive career in television, where she served as a journalist, weather chief, and anchor for both Fox and CBS News. Today, Christy has transitioned her expertise to the realm of executive communications coaching, helping professionals enhance their skills and take that next step in their personal and professional development. Join us as we dive into her journey and gain insights into the strategies that got her to where she is today. You became uh, a face in every Phoenix uh, living room for a, nearly a decade plus. Yeah. Tell, tell yeah. us about that journey. Sure. I was a freelancer within San Francisco when I was finishing my, my master's. And the, the dream typically within news is you get, historically, you get these contracts. You get a, a position that you're for many years in a row are, are promised work. And so as a freelancer, I thought, oh, that's what I want to go after is one of these, these contract type positions. Uh, and so that, there was a, a position open in Phoenix at the time that I finished grad school. And at the time I was in San Francisco reporting, I also felt very in danger and was looking for a shift. So at the time I left San Francisco, the Occupy Wall Street movement was in, in full effect. If your viewers or listeners don't remember, it was the time that it started on Wall Street that many people were protesting, literally sitting on Wall Street, protesting the 1% and the bailing out of banks. And this had a effect across the whole country. And Oakland in the San Francisco Bay Area was a hotbed for these protests. And I'd get sent out there every morning. And after having been in the middle of a SWAT raid, um, been tear gassed, been had our van window bashed in, had somebody pull their pants down and urinate on me in the middle of a live shot, watch people throw fire into the window of a business and set buildings on fire, uh, I stood there and thought, this isn't really what I signed up for. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, and at the point, we were issued security guards and gas masks. This is me as a brand new reporter. I was thinking, this is this is not what I want to be doing. I, I, I love investigative journalism. I think that's important to to cover stories of national interest. It was exciting to be a part of it. But I really did feel my safety was in question. It, it was being threatened. And that was a part of the move here to Phoenix. And you became a th- that face that that people woke up to the weekend weather, which I even find is interesting when we talk a little bit more of what you do today. Sure, how you somebody that, as you said, you're a little bit of an introvert, very very much so. But for those of you that don't know, extremely analytical to you, yeah, the meteorologist. You became the weather person. It was a good fit. I had taken um, Earth and Ocean Science classes in undergrad just out of interest. I never thought that I'd pursue that as a career. So that kind of found me when I when I started in San Francisco. So yeah, when I arrived here in Phoenix, I was a morning show reporter and doing weekend weather. So a combination of the fun, amazing stories, getting to fly with Kathy Rigby, you know, the original Peter Pan, getting to fly on rigs with her at Gamage Theater, to getting to interview Alice Cooper multiple times, to 
being in the uh, Mighty Mud Mania race, dressed as a uh, a German barmaid with a German accent. I mean, you you name the strangest, weirdest combinations of what people make fun of in movies and TV shows for a morning show. Sure, I got to do it. It was a blast. It was, and that really helped bring me further out of my shell because to perform and do it on video. This is part of what I coach clients to do too. To read enthusiastic, to read genuine, to read real, you have to amp it up to a whole higher level, 20, 30, 40% more than in person for it to look good. So people have struggled with this as they transition into a whole world of Zoom, podcasts where there's now video. You can't get away from being on camera now. So I learned a lot of those skills to engage people through that medium. And then that's part of what I teach people now. Amazing. So I, I have to ask two or three amazing moments in your journalism career that you'll take with you besides that gymnastics beat that you and I directly <laughs> met. I mean, I know that was a highlight, but after that. For those who don't have context and you, you wouldn't have any reason for this, when Patrick and I reconnected, he observed, I think you were at a gymnastics meet doing a story where Patrick was the announcer, yes. right, on the board. Yes, I was. And apparently I and the videographer, the videographer said, can we stop the announcements for a moment as we interview somebody on the floor? It was for a state a state championship yes, or state it was. meet. Yes, it was. So he and I crossed paths long before break time you. Little, yeah. And that's a fun piece where it comes full circle. It is. <laughs> Definitely a highlight. We're going to put that on the list, it's, Patrick. It's number two, maybe. Number what, two. What one would, and a half. What would be one and three? <laughs> Number one would be because I am I'm a nerd at heart. As you as you shared, I'm an analytical person. I love science. I love technology. Um, I'm a big reader. I got to interview a Nobel Prize winning physicist out of UC Berkeley when when I was back reporting for the the CBS affiliate there. And he had just we were at his doorstep at I think four or five in the morning when he had just gotten the call from the committee that he had won. The Nobel Prize. I bet that was amazing. Oh, it, it was incredible. And just to feel his passion, his excitement around black hole research <laughs> of all things, I the part of me that's very nerdy, that just resonated so much. So there's very few people that I have met and have been starstruck by, but he was one of them because that just the he was so fascinating and so bright. So that was definitely a highlight. And to get to share that moment to be with somebody. Another here locally that was a highlight was um, a piece, one of my Emmy-recognized pieces, which was an investigative story about a family here in, in Arizona that adopted special needs children. And they became aware of an orphanage in Eastern Europe that essentially was slowly letting these children in this orphanage die. That's the way that they dealt with children who had any form of slight disability. I mean, even something as small as, as a cleft palate. Um, there was a, a, a Bulgarian word that essentially meant, uh, meant, you know, a curse from God. And this culture believes that children who have even the smallest defect should be thrown away. Uh, and this family uncovered this. They brought light to it. They were able to save a young boy from that and and start a campaign to raise awareness and money to get a lot more of these children adopted. Um, and those stories to me are the most impactful. You know, when you get, when the phone is ringing off the hook afterward of people wanting to support this cause, wanting to know how they could get involved as a foster family, as a family to adopt these children in need. That to me was 
much more fulfilling than being. I, I, I got to be at Super Bowl parties. I got to interview professional athletes and professional rock stars. But that story where somebody's um, somebody felt moved to help someone else was a highlight. I can tell just by sitting here the emotion you pack into that. And anybody that follows you can see that you are a community-driven volunteer. You have a passion and, and it's admirable. Thank where you. Did, where did that get rooted? 100% my parents. Wonderful people, yes. I bet. Oh, amazing people. My mom was just visiting recently. Yeah. She just came out on a visit. I grew up in the 4-H youth program which for those who aren't familiar, maybe you've heard of Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts or some of these other youth development programs, 4-H traditionally has agricultural roots. So if you've ever been to even the Arizona State Fair and you've seen those kids that are in the barn with the little baby sheep, uh, you know, or they're showing their animal, that's traditionally how 4-H emerged was to help agricultural families teach their kids how to run the business of running a farm. It's completely different than that now. That's an element, but it's a global organization that teaches leadership, public speaking, confidence, team building. And through that, very early on, a big piece of that is, is giving back to your community. So from age seven or eight, when I entered the program, it was a part of our day-to-day -day lives that we would be giving back to the community in some capacity. So it's the only lifestyle I've ever known. And I always feel sad when people haven't been exposed to it and know the joy of it. Because for me in my professional work and also my volunteer work, that at the end of the day is what fills my heart and, and makes me feel joyful, is feeling I have that some impact on somebody else. Did you enjoy this conversation? To hear more, subscribe to our channel and keep an eye out for the continuation of Patrick's chat with Christy Seifkin. Thank you for joining us and remember to let this define you.